welcome to episode six of the Pets at Home Puppy podcast. I'm Kate Cornish, editor of My VIP magazine, and I'm joined again by Claire North of North Canine Dog Training. Hello. Hi. Hello. Thank you for coming in again. So today we're going to talk about socialising and being out and about with your puppy. So introducing your puppy to the big wild world is a huge step for them. And we're going to talk about how to keep them safe in new situations, uh, when meeting other pets. Claire's going to talk us through how to help your puppy when you're out and about. So Claire, let's start off with what is the best time to start socialising your puppy? When can they actually leave the uh, safety of home? Yeah, so what we want to think about when we're socialising puppy is that although we can't necessarily have them down on the floor and mixing with many other dogs and things until they've had second vaccination, um, so I think it's usually what, yeah, what seven to ten days after second vax, and they will usually, your vaccinations will be like eight and ten week or maybe ten and twelve, dependent right. on your vet and when you pick your puppy up. So, okay, so they can't be around loads of dogs until then. However, what we don't want is that we miss those weeks because they're super, super important in terms of what puppy is absorbing, what information is taking in. So it's important that we get on with our socialisation within the first couple of days, really. So Okay, of you bringing them home? Yeah, of bringing them home. So I want to get them home, get them settled, a couple of days into my toilet training and a bit of routine so that they know who I am <laughs> rather than me just taking them out as a stranger. When you say my toilet training, you mean their toilet training? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Mine's good. <laughs> I should hope so. So what we want to be looking at is we want to be thinking of socialisation as positive experiences with things and stuff. That's my super technical terminology. Positive experiences <laughs> with things and stuff. Yeah. like it. Woman after my own heart. So that it is. Because you can take that dog all over and give him loads and loads of exposure but if he doesn't like and he's frightened or worried about what you show him then that's poor socialization so what you don't but want you're good, they are going to be scared though aren't they initially i mean yeah they can be worried about things so but the the thing is how we deal with it so for okay. example if you start taking puppy out and he's shy of people, let's say. Right. So everybody comes up to you when you've got a new puppy. Yeah. Just honestly, they're like magnets. So everybody's going to come over, but he's shying away a little bit. Yes, we need to deal with it, but how we deal with it is really, really important. So what we want to make is a positive connection between I see that person and it's nice. So you want to be thinking about food usually with this. Way okay. to most puppies' hearts is through their mouth. Yep. So um, I would maybe take my puppy somewhere reasonably quiet where he can see things going on. I don't want to completely... So where, for example, like a park bench where yeah, there's not so much action going on? Outside a Costa Coffee, I'm quite right, partial okay. to. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, okay. So you've got people sat down anyway, yeah. might be another dog. Somewhere like that, a pub beer garden, somewhere okay. that's where there's enough going on but not too much and you Relax. can get a little bit out of the Relax, way. Relax, but slightly busy. Yeah. I'm going to sit there, I'm going to have my, my treats and I'm going to let him watch and then I'm going to tell him he's good, I'm going to reward him for seeing and just being calm and taking in information. Okay. We never want to underestimate how much puppies take in by sitting and watching. It's right. a huge learning for them. So it's definitely something that we need to do. Okay, so take them to a public space, like you say, like a pub garden or a costa or something like that, where they can just watch people coming and going past them, realise that it, it, they're not going to be attacked, that nothing's going to hurt them. They're just watching the world go by and that will help them realise that it's a safe environment. Yeah, absolutely. And at the same time, you're telling them they're a good 
girl or boy yeah, and treating tell them, them that they're good. And, and you're just making like a really positive connection um in, in one of the previous podcasts, I know I mentioned that we're looking at always the emotions yeah. behind that behaviour. And most puppies are going to be fine with this. Most puppies aren't going to be shy of people, dogs, of much, really. And a lot of this work, in fairness, starts at the breeders very often. Yeah. Uh, but, for example, um, if you've got a puppy perhaps that's come from a rescue background and he hasn't had that already we need to make sure that he's comfortable like that. Yeah. So, or he might have even been through a trauma. You don't, you're not absolutely. too sure with rescue puppies. Some no. of them have been through horrendous Unfortunately experiences. so. So, But what's really important to know as well is that up until 16 weeks, it's a little bit breed dependent, but around yeah. 16 weeks, they're still going to be making formations and connections in their brain. So we have an ability to really help with anything like that. Okay. So... So at that point, any positive connections you can make are going to stay there Absolutely. and be embedded from day one. Yes, but it's also important to say that also the same with anything negative. So you want to be careful of allowing too much that worries puppy. So don't get super obsessed with it. Nobody can touch my dog. A dog can't come near me, this yeah. kind of thing, because that's not good either. And they're going to be- sense your sort of anxiety as well, totally, aren't they? Totally, yeah. So we want to be relaxed, but aware that's the Relaxed best way alert, yeah <laughs> so you know i would be maybe sat with my puppy on my knee drinking my coffee or whatever but if a great big dog is going to come running across the puppy garden yeah. i'm going to block it and not yeah. allow it to jump on my knee also okay so yeah. that kind As of as you would <laughs> yeah i won't want it anyway wherever i had no, a puppy or I'll not my point for that reason <laughs> okay so getting them out there i was actually going to say but when um i first my Parsons Jack Russell. Oh, did I mention I had a Parsons Jack Russell every five minutes? <laughs> um, when we, we got him when he was about 10 months old, so he wasn't necessarily a puppy and he'd been very well trained already, but I was trying to, he was a little bit shy. So when people came up to him or somebody wandered down the drive, mainly the postman as well, I'd be like, oh, who's that? Who's that? Go see, go see. And try to excite them into a happy kind of state as opposed to, who's that? don't edit that edit that out i didn't say kill um so yeah so um yeah so is that good sort of using language or using kind your voice to sort of i speak to my doggy like that um Um, so a little bit or am i being an idiot claire be honest (laughs) um i do have conversations with my dog that's not a problem i I would probably just use a more normalized tone and i'll tell you the reason why what we tend to see is so if i'm training my dog so let's say i'm training a sit he does the sit i tell him good lad and i feed him Mm -hmm. what we tend to find though is there'll be a difference in your tone when it's a different situation so when it's something that the dog doesn't like you won't say good lad you'll Mm. say be good be good be good and you'll start to cue him that something's actually wrong because your whole tone is different and your demeanor is different so i wouldn't i would literally talk to my dog so if i'm walking along and i'm carrying my dog and we see i can't think of anything a hot air balloon yeah something Um, weird (laughs) yeah something out of context no offense hot air balloon pilots (laughs) but they do look weird they're not normal (laughs) something out of context that might worry him yeah. you know um i will literally be like oh, look at the hot air balloon and i'll show him yeah. so i'm not going to steer away from these things but yeah. i'm also not going to make a massive deal of it right yeah okay so yeah don't don't fuss too much yeah not too much you know okay. um it's easy to become a little bit overly protective yeah and you should definitely be protective that's not up for debate yeah. i am with mine but also we have to 
puppies have to learn how to function in society so we yeah. can't completely shield them from no, everything they have to learn their, yeah. their not, not learn their place that's horrible negative speech but you know what i mean they, they need to know that you're in charge they shouldn't be submissive to other dogs either or should they i mean what what's now let's talk about that let's talk about meeting another dog then in yeah. a park so puppy should know really so it's all about relationship when you get a dog when you socialize in a dog training a dog whatever it's all about relationship so you forge that relationship from you when you bring them home and what you create there is trust so when you're out and about something's wrong something's worrying or whatever you need to be safe space for that dog right so i don't ever want to think that my dog is going to head off and make his own decision about how to deal with a situation if he's worried i want him to come back right. be with me it's okay i'm here kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah meeting other dogs so it can be again a little bit of a minefield so What's often quite nice is if there's any adult dogs in the family, are they any nice steady that we know? Because unknown dogs are exactly that, aren't they? They're unknown. Yeah. So you can never really vouch for the behaviour. So mm-hmm. what we don't want is bad experience. That's so would you if you've important. got if, if you've got family members or friends and family or neighbours that have got dogs, would you as soon as they're of age, your puppy is of age, where they've had their immunisation and everything, you would just introduce them to as many friendly dogs as safe dogs as possible (laughs) um yes yeah okay so and again what we have to look at a little bit is that we have to look at the difference between being social and socializing and the two are different so being social the dog can cope in any environment you can take him places he doesn't worry and have a meltdown because there's people and dogs and stuff around socializing going to every dog and making play that's nice but you probably don't want it with 100% of dogs that you see just because it becomes a little bit of a pest in terms of getting down the street yeah. or yeah. recalling in the park and things yeah. like that. So Walking down the street with a puppy, if you something that takes you five minutes, you've got a puppy with you, it's going to take an hour. Yeah, Because you're going to stop forever. and talk to everybody. Every person, yeah. every dog. So, again, everything about balance, do enough yeah. of it that they get... Because they also, if you've only got one dog, they need dog interaction mm. because they're a social animal. Mm-hmm. So for myself, I've got multiple dogs, so mm. I probably worry less about that because they live, you know, together. Mm. So it's all about balance. Yeah. All, all of this is really about that. Enough, okay. but not too much. Right. Okay, so we're talking about getting your puppy used to socialising. You said there's a difference between, between being socialised and socialising. So... For instance, a bit of a blatant plug coming up here, people. The Just for Puppy workshops that are run by Pets at Home, you actually run those, don't you? Yes, yeah, I run them. Sorry, go on. I run them in in three of the stores local into my area. Which is the northwest store? um, West Yorkshire area. Oh, right, okay. (laughs) The West Yorkshire area. Um, and yeah, we find them hugely useful because okay. so they run in conjunction with our in-star vets. Okay. So there'd be myself, there'd be a vet nurse there. We provide owner information about different subjects each time and we can do nice puppy socialisation, early greetings. How many how many puppies are 
present? Depends on the space we've got. We would generally limit it at eight. Oh, okay. Um, so it is a good place to take so, yeah. your puppy to meet other puppies oh, the same totally. age. And it's super good. So we, we welcome families. So we usually get like families and the kids and the puppy. And so there's lots going on, but it's really well managed. So it means that, so for example, if I see that a puppy's a little bit overwhelmed, we can deal with that. If we see that we've got a very frustrated puppy, we can deal with that. We match them up for social greetings so they get to learn a nice hello and a little bit of play. Oh, so they get good. a huge coming around a pets at home store as well. I would have to say is a massive social experience. Oh yeah, was bring your puppy into yeah, store. It's there's a great so place. much to see yeah. for them, honestly. And they've got the birds singing noises as well being piped out. Yeah. It's it's a lovely experience. And puppy can also choose his own toy. Yes. <laughs> of course. Out there. <laughs> yes. Always a good one. You are going to be, no doubt, putting your puppy in a car and travelling around with them. So give us your top socialising stroke travel tips. What have you got for us? Yes, travelling is, for most people, really important. I would always make an assumption that people want to take their dog everywhere with them, or at least most places with them, because why not? So I think you've got to look at the way in which you're going to travel the dog. So where is he going to be located in the car and how is he going to be restrained in the car or contained in the car, mm. whichever way yeah. around you want and to it. And it is the door, isn't it? You have to have a restraint. Yeah, you've got to, to have restrained, restrained in the car, yeah. So you would look at generally, some people are going to use the back seat. With, with the seat like belt. The seat belt yeah. harness, yeah. Generally speaking, the best advice I would give is to have them created in the boot. You can use a normal crate. You can buy like tailgates. You can buy specific travel crash tested kits. Um, I don't know the terminology, but what are the um, sort of like the the grates that the, the the gate that you can put across the behind the back seat to sort of separate the boot from the rest of the car? Yeah. So the dog is that guard. a tailgate? Yeah, you All can right. get a dog guard. <laughs> That's your dog guard, and then your tailgate would be like if you lifted up the boot, it'd be caged there as well. Oh, so it's like right. a little yes, door. Yes. So they're like really safe in there. Okay. It, we tend to the boot in terms of stability for the dog tends to be the best place the seats are squashy and they move around so that they're they're trying to get balance and they can't most puppies will be motion sick when they first start going in a vehicle oh yes so they're often going to be sick usually when you bring them home from the breeder and it doesn't normally last a couple of journeys it's usually fine very occasionally we do see a puppy that struggles for a little bit longer than that and it makes them obviously reluctant to go in the vehicle because they they make an association spend time socializing the car if they're not comfortable with it Mm. open it up in the drive sit them in it feed them in it get them out so it's nice nice association like how you would train the crate i suppose yeah but in the car yeah if because you want them to like it you know so that's super important so your puppy is safest traveling within a pet crate. And we were talking off mic before, Claire, weren't we, about never let them ride with their head out the window of a moving car. Yeah. So Even I... though they look like they're really enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, it, I'm still quite astounded that it's a thing. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not safe. It's no. obviously physically not good for their eyes and their nose no. and things like that. But it's really dangerous. Yeah. I've also... I have Be actually, in the eye. Ow. Yeah. Absolutely. Terminal velocity of a bee coming at a car that's going 60 miles an hour. That, that's got a sting. Um, I've seen an unsecured dog fall out of a car as <gasps> no, well. Yeah, was he all seen right? It, uh, yeah, he was oh, all right. I can't bear it. Oh, he was, he, I mean, he was not great, but he didn't die. Oh. Out of somebody's car local oh, to where I live, yeah. Because they think, oh, he likes to put his head out the window, but then he see a cat or then whatever he and fall out. out the window. Oh, my 
it's not safe just no, to be clearly to, to be super boring though as well. It's not safe for you as a driver no. to have an unsecured dog diving no. about in the. Well, you wouldn't have an unsecured baby wriggling around in your arms nope. with a window open, would you? Nope. So why? Seen, yeah, people. Why something that has the ability to launch itself out of the window at high speed? Yeah, no. not a good idea. No, no, no. Oh my so, gosh. For me, definitely not on the front seat, and absolutely never in the footwell. The the passenger side footwell is something that we see and it is very unsafe in the event of an accident. I can, yeah, I've got a horrible image in my brain now. We won't go into that any (laughs) further, but yeah, folks, you can imagine what would happen uh, in an accident if you've got your dog in the front footwell. Okay, so you've got the puppy, he's got a harness or a seatbelt, he's in his crate. Would you, would someone sitting in the back seat with him, reassuring him, or is that? You can do, yeah, if, if he needs that. If he's a little bit worried, you can do that for a couple of journeys. That's not a bother. Mostly, if you spend a little bit of time just getting him used to it at home, they're usually going to be, be fine. fine. Yeah. yeah, You could, again, if you've got a little bit of a worried traveller, the Adaptil spray is good, oh. or the Pet Remedy spray. So you spray that in the car how long before? About 20 minutes for a dactyl. Oh, yeah. right. Okay, good. Oh, never so, thought of that. Yeah, can you, you get can... ones that you plug into your car as well? I don't know if they exist. If they don't, someone's got to invent them. Yeah, I don't think they do, but they would be good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but but yeah, the spray. The spray. Yeah, spray yeah. around and then like while they have their ginger biscuit and then put them in. <laughs> After the 20 minutes. <laughs> that sounds like a brilliant set of conditions. So also, just while we're still on car, so I'll move away from car in a minute and get on to your other tips, but clearly, obviously, I'm sure in 2019, we don't have to state that you never leave a puppy or any kind of dog alone in a car in warm weather because heat stroke could kill your puppy very quickly, I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, we, we hope that we don't have to... Mention yeah. Really. So yeah, dogs yeah. die in hot I cars, mean, folks. Everyone knows that. Yeah, don't do it. Just don't take the risk. Yeah. Just honestly, and particularly puppies, pick them up and take them with you. Yeah. Carry and also, them. also I'm, I'm assuming also that uh, a lot of assuming going on here that really cold conditions is 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 don't leave a puppy in a really freezing cold car either. Yeah, same thing. So puppies don't actually do temperature regulation, body temperature regulation all that well. So you've got to massively watch it. I think it's like human babies. You've got to hugely watch them in extremes of any temperature to make so they overheat obviously quicker than adult dogs and they get cold. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, So this is all pretty much common sense, but it's worth um, just covering off anyway. And then also just one more where you're traveling, take regular breaks on long journeys so your puppy can relieve himself, stretch their legs, have a drink of water, use your... Yeah, like um, (laughs) use it as another socialisation experience as well. Service stations, yeah, absolutely. Great places to stop off, get him out, there's loads going on, and then scoop him up, get him in Costa, get a coffee. Yeah, you tell what I spend my time doing. Yeah, this isn't an advert for Costa Coffee. (laughs) Other other coffee shops are available. So other than travel, what, what, what else have we got as a, as, a, as a tips for out and about with your puppy? Yeah, so I think really if I sort of give a rough framework that people could maybe take on board of yeah. things. hit me. I'm going to make some notes myself. So things to socialise with. So for me, my top priority would be always people and children because the dog is going to be, all, it's almost impossible to avoid them. Yeah. If the dog doesn't like him or whatever, or he's worried or he doesn't get exposure. So for me, people and children are, are a big thing to socialise around. Dog just has to be comfortable. So, and people disagree or, or whatever sometimes with me on this. I don't think the dog has to absolutely adore people and want to go to everybody. No. But he has to be able to cope around people 
and to not make a problem. So it's comfortable, completely comfortable. You yeah. can walk around in a crowd and it doesn't bother you. That's what you're looking for. Some dogs will naturally be more social with people than others. Some will actively seek out human contact and some won't. And that's personality to a degree yeah. and breed and stuff like that. So people and children. Environment, different environments. And I would tie that in with travel as well. Travel and environment together. So I am going to make an assumption that you're wanting to take the dog places... So what we need to do is to get him used to that straight away. So we're not going to say to him, until you're two, you only go on the same three walks and in the house. Yeah, it's boring. And, and then when we're two, we've booked a holiday cottage in the south of France yeah. and off we go. It's completely you know, Not ideal. Yeah. So again, I'm not suggesting that you, you know, spend a month travelling around the UK. I'm saying just five minutes down the road in the car, out, new place, 10 minutes enjoy it feed the dog great time box it off back in the car yeah and take the dog places with you you'd be amazed now we are becoming a lot more dog friendly oh gosh yes absolutely so, so many even so many shops i mean yeah you know pubs are a given lots of restaurants are starting to be dog friendly shops in particular i've yeah. noticed because of the magazine we do a regular feature so many shops are dog friendly now. Yeah. I wouldn't believe it. And and that's the thing. And I think people don't always realise. So if yeah. you've got a small puppy that you're carrying, mm. utilise all those opportunities. Yeah, yeah. Get them in the. I think is it. The, there's some big retailers now that will allow you to take well-behaved dogs in. Well, the puppy you carry. Yeah, Waterstones, so. Fat Face, John um, Lewis, John Lewis. Yes, yeah, Selfridges. Loads of places. You know, so you can get... Honestly, even if you're not, just walk around and then leave, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget your food and your treats, though, yeah. because that's good for your socialisation. So the bank, I always take mine to the bank. The bank is dog-friendly. Yeah. Places like that where he can just keep getting small little experiences, you know, um, that it's normal for him. Yeah. That's a big thing. Yeah, it's just normalising him to the experience. Yeah. Like you, say, you said earlier, don't shock them into something hugely different that they're not used to just gradual preparation is key isn't it yeah i go where you go and it's fine basically so people and children places in travel yeah so socialization with other dogs you need to do it quite carefully so that you don't become puppy don't become overwhelmed we need to try and get them around the right sort of dog so uh, like i said earlier if you've got dogs with family or friends that you know they're great dogs to socialize around because you know them so you know what to expect if you're out and about and somebody says to you i don't know there are some phrases that would make me have little alarm bells so for example if you say oh you know can my puppy meet your dog and the person says to you um, oh yeah he'll he'll tell him if he's too much mm. this usually was going to put me off allowing that yeah. because it's not good for puppies to be heavily disciplined by no. adult dogs no. I, especially when they're really young because yeah, it can just affirm a, a negative it's very emotion. detrimental and you know this whole thing of another dog growling and snapping and biting and pinning them on the floor yeah. it's not good for him at all the amount of times i am out and about with buddy my dog in the forest and stuff and a puppy will come bounding over and i will immediately have him on the lead going sometimes he's not very good he can be a little bit snappy or yeah. shouty not snappy and they're like oh no she's got to learn like yeah. no she's not like that <laughs> no 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 that's just fear inducing isn't yeah, it yeah absolutely so it doesn't change your behavior it, it, in fact if anything if an adult dog 
does go over the top with the puppy, you tend to find that if it doesn't terrify them and they don't end up frozen in a little ball on the floor, no. that they become quite appeasing to the adult dog. So oh, they get around just, it a bit more. Yeah, they just so become like, really oh my God, hello, help. Yeah. So, you know, um, yeah, that's important. However, if you can get them around good, stable adult dogs, mm-hmm. usually as well, females are a little bit better at doing correct discipline and manners because they do need that puppies need to learn that and they'll learn some of that from mum but if you get an opportunity to continue that it's really good for him so i know for example one of my dogs my middle female dog we use her all the time with with young puppies for socialization because she's absolutely brilliant but she would not ever bear teeth or or bite or anything like that she uses her body language really appropriately to say like enough now so that's interesting yeah she might turn her head to the side for example if they're too much and so it's a clear message to puppy but without overstepping the mark i can't wait for the but we're going to do a whole episode on body language which (laughs) is absolutely fascinating we we'll could talk in, for hours. We might have to bring Mavis in. Yeah, bring her in. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Mavis, yeah. brilliant name. Excellent name for a dog. Like I say, just uh, you can usually, if a dog is approaching you, you can usually get a feel, I think, by looking. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to know body language inside and out mm. to know that if a dog has got not great intentions if that's yeah. the right term and also don't don't listen to everything the owner says because oh god no <laughs> you know you could be you could be you know the, the best intending person you might think your dog's brilliant but again you don't know how another dog is going to react with your dog and vice versa you don't know how your dog's going to react to that other dog is yeah. that what i just said or have i just said it the other way around anyway you know <laughs> what i mean so it could be a smell, it could be a bang that goes off while they're, you know, introducing them to it. You just don't know, do you, with strange environments and strange dogs. So just always err on the side of caution, I'm guessing. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's not being horrible to people that go, well, my dog's fine, don't worry. You just don't know when when you're not in control of the environment, are you? No, and it's really important to, for a couple of things there then. So, you know, you have to remember that the, the your puppy is just exactly that, is yours. Yeah. So you make decisions for him and don't be pressured or pushed into anything that you don't think is appropriate for your puppy by somebody else not anybody not a dog trainer not a not anybody you know it's up Um, to you it's do what you think okay so i guess i'm gonna make myself sound so knowledgeable i'm not claire's just um prompted me to talk about handling an examination so let's talk about that next (laughs) yeah so you want to be thinking about this really pretty much straight away and again it's a small small little bits of work but get them in from from pretty much straight away so being able to handle and examine your own dog is massive massively important and it needs doing every day so it's bonding and relationship building because there's a trust issue the dog's allowing you to look at his feet he's allowing you to look in his ears and his mouth so there's a trust issue there for obvious reasons for you you get to know that dog like how he feels and then you can pick up on an injury or anything like that early. Yeah, you can notice lumps and bumps when they appear. Yeah, absolutely. Or if he's got a little, you know, uh, things like ticks, things like that, yeah. anything like that. So it needs doing every day. I'm obsessed with checking body for ticks. <laughs> obsessed. Um, what you need to think about is it, it's the same as with any socialisation, though, positive experience. Yeah. So what's there's two big things with puppies. They probably won't like this straight away because they're wiggly and they don't want to stand still and they don't want to be touched all over, please get off me. Mm-hmm. But there's the other side of that, which says, but we have to do this. Yeah. So in the best way that we can, it's happening. 
But puppies are small and they're easy to restrain, and that's not what we want to get into with this. You want to so, turn it into a game or something? Yeah. So tickle what, on the tam. <laughs> I would tend to when I get the food bowl. You're usually king of the world then, aren't you? Because puppies yeah. are constantly starving. So I rattle the food bowl around. I get them quite into that. I'm going to maybe put it on a table or put it up, and then I'm going to do a little bit of examining. Yeah. And then I'm going to give him a handful out of the bowl. There right, you go, well okay. done. And then I'm going to do a little bit more and then another handful and then a little bit more and then the rest of the bowl. Yeah. And if you do that for a few days, a week, something like that, most puppies by that point are like giving you their foot, giving you their head, please yeah. touch me, touch Aww. me. Um, but making it nice is very, very important. Taking it steady, taking it slow, not hugely restraining. You put your finger in the collar to keep them still so they're not, like, running about the house. Mm. But don't fall into the trap of, you will stand there and I will look at you yeah. because that can oh. only end in tears yeah. for you. Well, especially if they're likely. cornered and you're staring at them straight in the face. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit it's, like... You know, I mean, as puppies, maybe scary. they take a little bit of that, but then what you've done there is create a lack of trust and a, mm. a breakdown in relationship. And a negative connotation absolutely to, yeah. to you handling them and then when you need to do that because something's wrong you won't get a chance and the other thing what we don't want puppies learning because through restraint you're going to put fear you're going to put panic and the likelihood is they'll use their teeth because that's all right they have. and yeah that's and where that's the aggression starts not what we want them learning so okay. you know nice and, and steady nice and calm but do it every day yeah even if they sit up on your knee and yep. you've got the food there and you do a little bit and just give them the food like that. Positive, positive experience with that. Brilliant. Okay, I'm guessing sometimes you're going to have to walk your puppy in the dark. I mean, if you know, if you have to wait till like three or four o'clock in winter evening, obviously try and stay in well-lit areas or places that aren't so remote. You're going to have your phone with you. Hopefully you're going to have told somebody where you're going before you leave the house. God, I'm making the world sound like a terrifying place, but you know, <laughs> you know the drill. So a puppy is scared of the dark. Is that something that you have to think about? Um, it can be actually, yeah. So I think it partly depends on, on the time of day in a way. So if it's four o'clock and it's dark, it's still busy. Yeah, So right, that's got not you. so much of a thing. If it's 10 o'clock at night and dark and everything is very quiet. So if you think about all the birds go to bed and all the other, mm. everything's, it's very quiet. So all these senses, senses? senses will be a little bit heightened yeah um, and so yeah some puppies are a little bit more alert in the dark yeah some adult dogs are a little bit more yeah. alert in the dark well, we as all well. are i suppose yeah um and you're using your ears more because you can't see so much but also i mean what's what time should your puppy be in bed i mean after all this socializing they're gonna be knackered <laughs> yeah i mean it's a bit personal for routine in the home isn't it but i would yeah. say most puppies between 10 and 11 is, um, in the evening, so last, last wee wee, 10 yeah. or 11, I mean, and then bed. If they'll toilet in the garden, I won't be walking them after 7, 8 o'clock, I don't suppose, yeah. and I'd just so, toilet them in the garden. In yeah, they've had their run, bed. had yeah. their exercise, done their socialising, had their dinner, a little bit of sleep, a little bit of wee wee yeah. before bedtime. I mean, the sleep is massive because you do, you're do you out and about doing all this socialisation. What you want to do is a little bit of socialisation, big rest, let it all go in. Let yeah. it all go in the brain and, and soak Yeah, in. and as opposed to dreaming, you know, the, the brain is processing what they've gone through during yeah, the day. So absolutely. I love seeing a puppy when their legs are going, when they're running <laughs> in their sleep. Okay, is there anything else you want to talk about? Oh, gosh, I don't think so. I think, no. we've, I think I mean, we've covered that. Yeah, um, just, I think just the big thing to take away from this, guys, is socialization positive experience with things and stuff spend the time invest the time in it because what that gets you is 
it makes life easier if yeah. a well socialized dog makes your life a lot easier and you've got a more stabilized normalized more dog stable dog and you enjoy that relationship a lot more yeah um so yeah invest the time go drink coffee <laughs> also i must add um when we were talking about walking in the dark be safe be seen um there's lots of reflective jackets and leads and collars and things on the market so just make sure that you as well as your puppy can be seen in the dark extremely important message there 